Hello, my friends. How are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition podcast, which is brought to you by the Umbrella Hat. Umbrella hats, because when the church roof springs a leak in that summer storm, you won't have a free hand to hold your traditional umbrella, hindle, and your bulletin. Coming soon to a pew rack near you. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon, or on occasion, a sermon from another Wells sister church. Today's meditation is titled, The Faithful Son and is based on Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, a Bible section that probably contains one of the biggest understatements in the entire book. After fasting 40 days and nights, Jesus was hungry. But that segment really misses the point, so let's read today's Gospel in full context. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put your Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Now let's join Pastor Zamzo for today's sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, the perfect and holy, faithful Son of God. Amen. One of the lines in the Lord's Prayer that I think that we oftentimes have the most questions about is that line towards the end, lead us not into temptation. Why do we say that? Why would God lead us there anyway? And so why do we pray that He doesn't lead us there? I think today, as we focus in on Matthew chapter 4 and the temptation of our Lord Jesus in the wilderness, we receive some insight on this. As we watch Jesus face Satan and temptation, it quickly becomes clear that we could not say or do or behave as our Savior did under such a situation. And we learn that maybe more than any of us, not maybe, more than any of us, Jesus knows what temptation is. How can you say that, Pastor? We sin all the time. That's the thing. For us, sin and temptation so often bleed so quickly together we can hardly understand where the line is, but the Savior does. He knows exactly what temptation is. And thus, the contrast between the sinner and the Savior, the many unfaithful children of God, and the one faithful Son of God couldn't be made any clearer. In Matthew chapter 4, we find Jesus 
being driven out into the wilderness. This takes place right after he had been baptized by John down in the Jordan River. Jesus and his disciples had just heard that voice from heaven, This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. And right after that announcement, Matthew says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. He has to go. He's driven out into the wilderness, led out by the Spirit. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, lead us not into temptation. Jesus has to be led there. He has to go there. Now that He stepped down into the water and He stepped into the sinner's place, into the place of God's people, Israel and all believers, now He must go and live as they did. Face what God's people faced. Face what Israel faced. And as Israel was in the, in the wilderness wandering about for 40 years, Jesus goes out for 40 days. Enough time to show that Christ is that, that Christ is humanity as it should have been. God's child, God's children as they should have been. The servant of God as he should be. The faithful son is being contrasted with God's unfaithful children. What did Israel do? Literally less than a day into their venture into the wilderness but cry out to God and Moses that they'd been led in the wilderness to die. That back in Egypt we had pots of meat. Better that we just died there instead of hunger out in the wilderness. Doesn't that sound like us? More often than not, even at the slightest inconvenience in our lives, to complain or to whine, when none of us has ever really experienced anything like that. The prospect of being led out into the wilderness where there is no food. I guarantee, I, I guarantee you, that I, I can almost guarantee you, that nobody sitting in this room has ever been walking through the woods looking down at the rocks wishing that they were loaves of bread. No, we've got a home and a table to return to. But how quick we are to complain despite our many blessings. How unfaithful and stingy we've been in thanksgiving to a loving God who always provides and always cares and is always gracious to us. And then we see Jesus, the faithful Son, all 40 days. All 40 days He makes it. And He's hungry. And the devil thinks it's His time to pounce. Seemingly, He's vulnerable Satan sees his chance and he takes it and he goes to Jesus and he says, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Just like manna in the wilderness, Jesus. Come on, you're God's Son. You're Messiah. Just do it. But Jesus, the perfect, ever faithful Son of God, counters with Scripture. Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What an incredible statement. 
What an incredible statement of our Savior in the face of, of this temptation. He sees right through the devil's schemes. You see what Jesus did there? What is Satan playing up on? If you are the Son of God. What word of God did Jesus have last spoken to him? Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The last words that, the, that Jesus heard from His Father in heaven were, This is My Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. That's what Jesus is clinging to. Jesus does not give in to temptation as Israel would have done. Truly, He is the faithful Son clinging to His Father's words even in the face of temptation. The devil doesn't give up. He's got two more left. He continues to try his hand at this. He continues to try and cause Jesus to doubt God's love and faithfulness to him. The devil takes him to the holy city and has him stand up on the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. In other words, if you are God's Son, it's going to take more than words for me, Jesus. Come on, prove it. God says He'll act for you. He said it right there in His Word. Let's see it. But again, the faithful Son masterfully evades Satan's trap. Jesus answers, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. There's a couple of subtleties in this temptation of the devil that are worth pointing out here. First of all, it's a trick of the devil to try and take Scripture and turn it into um, fortune cookie statements. That's what the devil has done here. Rip something completely out of context and said, here, it says, it says this, so you should believe it. For, for example, I think maybe the most famous one um, that, that maybe we're familiar with in our time is from the book of Philippians. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. You've heard this one? I've seen this written on football cleats. I've seen this written on, 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 on various different uh, productions or, or newspapers or that sort of thing. All with the idea that I can do whatever because I'm a Christian. Or because my faith is strong enough. Is that what that verse is saying? That verse is not implying that if you are a Christian, you will be a better linebacker. That verse is saying that Paul says there, I, I know the secret to contentment. I know what it is to be in plenty. And I know what, is, what it is to be in want. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. So whether you're down and out, lying in the mud, broke and poor, or whether you are well fed, Paul says this is the secret to contentment. Knowing Him who gives you strength. That's just one example of, of, a, uh, of a verse of Scripture being ripped out of context and placed inside of a fortune cookie. It's the same temptation of the devil. The other little nuance here that, that, that we, we need to draw out is that if you find yourself, is, is, is this idea that, that Satan is tricking Jesus. 
Satan is attempting to trick Jesus here. The devil understands that he's misquoting Scripture. And Jesus shows in his response to the devil that he understands that the passage that the devil quoted, he understands it properly. Namely this, if you find yourself in a fallen situation, if you find yourself in a fallen situation, it will be God who lifts you up. He will be there to catch you and lift you. Not if you stupidly or deliberately hurt yourself or put yourself into a fallen situation that God will catch you. The difference is, the, the difference is between testing and trusting. Testing God and trusting God. The Lord has given each and every one of us gifts and talents and abilities. He's given us a logic, sense, and reason to decide between what is right and what is wrong. And He expects us to use those things to show love to Him, to show love to our neighbor, and that we will use that which is entrusted to us responsibly. Not giving in to insanity, which is, you know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, expecting a different result. Isn't that what Israel did? Repeatedly? Isn't that the chorus of the entire Old Testament? We're God's chosen people. We're Jerusalem. We're Israel. We won't fall. God loves us because we're special. We're children of Abraham. We can't fail. God will protect us. Enter Assyria and Babylon and Rome. Christian churches and pastors today fall into the exact same kind of temptation. It's a false belief that God will bless us simply for existing. Hundreds of churches, I may be bold to say this, but hundreds of churches across the synod with dwindling membership serving 10 people a Sunday is evidence of this. People that sit back on their laurels Christians who sit back on their laurels and say, we've been here for 150 years. We can't close this church. These doors will never shut. I was baptized, confirmed, and married, and I'll be buried right here. But the church doesn't grow if the church is unfaithful to the mission to carry out that she's been given of making more disciples. That's been the mission of God's people since the beginning, since ancient times. To be a light to lighten the Gentiles. It's still our mission. It's the Great Commission. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything I have commanded you. And so often we fail in this. And thanks be to Jesus who carried out His mission as the perfect Holy faithful Son of God, allowing Himself to be lifted up for the sins and the unfaithfulness of all the people that have gone, uh, all, the, all the people of God, all the people of the whole world. To be lifted up on a cross so that every person of every tribe, nation, and language might look to Him for salvation because of His faithfulness. That we might be forgiven for all of our faithlessness and unfaithfulness. This becomes abundantly clear in the final temptation that the devil levies at 
the faithful Son. The perfect and faithful Son, Jesus. Faithful to His mission, even at the beginning of His ministry. He shows His passion to save us. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. When I bring this up in catechism class, almost invariably students will say, yeah, but pastor, the devil can't do that. Notice what Jesus doesn't say here. He doesn't say that the devil, that devil, you have no power to give this. It's an empty temptation. Rather, in fact, Scripture would say that the devil is the prince of this earth. He is the evil ruler of the air, so to speak. The whole world is steeped in sin. So what's the temptation? What's the devil offering? He's saying to Jesus here, this is the easy way out. This is it. One knee in the dirt right here, right now. And you don't need to do what you came here to do. You know the suffering and the betrayal. You know the humility that you are going to face. You know the pain and the anguish that you are going to be in. You dirty one knee right now, Jesus and I will pack up my bags and go home. It's yours. You need not do it. You can have it. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it's written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. He was given the easy way out. You think about this in the context of Lent. In the Garden of Gethsemane, which we are surely traveling to, as he goes to his Father in heaven in prayer, as he's sweating blood, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. The devil offered him another way, and he didn't take it. He didn't take it. Here he is, the perfect, holy, faithful Son of God, our substitute, who stood in our place. And, re and remained faithful to God when all of us would have given up and taken the easy way out. Jesus stays the course even though He knows what it means. He puts His trust firmly and faithfully in God knowing the difficult road that lies ahead of Him over the next three years of His ministry. His own stubborn people hating Him. And how this would all culminate in His suffering and His death. Yet in the face of temptation, Jesus remains faithful and does what no other child of God, what no other son of God could ever hope to do. And so do you see why Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation. Because we so often fail and give in, become weak and seek only what is expedient for ourselves. That petition of the Lord's Prayer reminds me um, uh, well, I'll end on this illustration, I suppose. It reminds me of one night um, my family was on a hike and um, we were going through the woods and it was getting late 
and we weren't really all that far away from the car, but it was getting dark out, um, and I don't know what we were doing, trying to scout out a spot for a, a deer stand or something. Um, and I had both my kids with us, and it started getting dark, and we started hearing noises in the woods around us, and I'm pretty sure there was a coyote howl or two, um, and my daughter, Ivana, came running up to me, and she clung up to my leg, and she said, Dad, take me back to the car. I'm scared. That's what we mean when we pray this prayer. The two things are akin. Heavenly Father, take me home. Lead me not into temptation. Because I can't handle it. I am weak and I'm a sinner. I so often fail and fall short in my unfaithfulness and sin and I stumble and I fall. This, this prayer is a child asking their gracious Father in heaven to lead them away from anything that would cause them to stumble and fall. And God graciously answers when He calls you to come and hear His word of peace to you, not because of the things that we have done, but that we might set our eyes firmly on the faithful Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, our substitute, the only faithful one. Amen. That's all there is for today. There isn't any more for this podcast. But if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, you might consider subscribing to the podcast and you will get content four times weekly in your favorite podcast app with no further effort. Additionally, you might consider sharing it with a friend. Each and every podcast has a share link in its description, which can be found in the same podcast app you're listening to right now. Let me know if you can't find it or if you just want to say hello by emailing me at john.kirk at stmarkbemidji.org. Share God's Word and share the light of the world. I also want to take this opportunity to invite you to church with us. Each and every week, we have two church services in Bemidji, Minnesota at 2220 Ann Street on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 1030 a.m. Additionally, we have a completely free cup of coffee that comes with a complimentary Bible study at 915 a.m. Each and every Bible study is led by a certified and college-educated minister. Or maybe you live in Walker, Minnesota. On the second and fourth Monday of every month, we also have church services there at 1100 Minnesota Avenue West at 7 p.m. Come as you are, and I hope to see you soon. If you have more questions or you want more information about our ministry, check out our website at www.stmarkbemidji.org. Have a blessed rest of your day.